0: Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling podcast featuring your host, Angela Harters. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime beginning with a conversation that can change the world today's episode of the peaceful world schooling podcast is brought to you by the book tales of a toxic teacher exposing the cycles of abuse within our schools written by angela harders in this book Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling podcast freely available to all. Hello, and thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I have the pleasure and honor of introducing you to Melissa Brander. Thank you so very much, Melissa, for joining us as we can have a conversation that can change the world. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to finally be able to connect with you. Um, So to get us started, Melissa, can you just share a little bit about you, your family, and your story?
1: Um, Sure. Uh, My name is Melissa. Um, I have two boys, ages seven and nine, and they've sort of always been homeschooled. It wasn't Like growing up, it wasn't something that I imagined myself doing because I went to a regular school at the time. Like that was just what you did, right? You put your kids in school. I went to school. Um, I don't even think I knew anyone who homeschooled. So it, it was like a thing that sort of knew existed, but I didn't have any like frame of reference for it but my husband, he was actually homeschooled as a kid for a little while. And so when we were first having our kids and talking about you know, what we want to do for school with them, eventually we settled on homeschooling. And um, I have to say, we, we love it. We live in the right now cold and sort of snowy Midwest. And uh, we, we love living here and homeschooling. And that's um, a little bit about me and my family.
0: That's awesome. I love talking with other families that have been homeschooling the entire time, because I think it really is a unique experience to literally see your kids as they grow up naturally in a homeschooling environment, having never really experienced what school is like. Um, And I'm, I'm curious, I know you said that your husband homeschooled, but that you did not have a background in homeschooling. What did you think when you first, when your husband first brought that up to you about the possibility of homeschooling your own children?
1: Well, it's hard for one to remember, because that was like nine, 10 years ago. So it's hard for me to remember exactly what I was thinking. But I think at first, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like outright hesitant. I just had, I think, a lot of questions. And I think most people start there with a, a lot of questions. And I think that's totally okay. It's something that's a lot of time if you don't have any experience with it, that's how we learn more, right? By asking questions of other people who are homeschooling and connecting with different resources and reading about people's experience homeschooling and things like that. So I'm, I'm like sort of, I love to research by nature. Um, and so I sort of like when we approached the conversation, I just sort of like read as much as I could get my hands on and, you know, gradually became more and more, not just okay with the idea, but something that I felt like excited about. And um, sometimes people ask me, you know, how long are you going to homeschool? That's what everybody wants to know after you've been homeschooling a while. Uh, in the beginning, you know, they have all these questions about how it works, but then after a while, they just like, how long are you really going to do this thing, this homeschooling thing? And I always like to say like, We plan on going all the way through, but we also have to take it like one year at a time and recognize things could change about our family situations, things could change for our kids. And so that's kind of the beauty of homeschooling. What homeschooling taught me is sort of that flexibility, which is another reason we had initially considered homeschooling is when my kids were younger. My husband worked a job where he had uh, mandatory Saturday work all the time, like 52 weeks of the year, he would have to be there on Saturday. And so that was initially like one of the reasons strongly in favor of homeschooling is just realizing like if I put my kids in school Monday to Friday, and then Saturday, my husband works all day every week, like that leaves one day for us to have time as a family. Like we really enjoyed when my kids were like little babies and toddlers, um, since he always had to work Saturday. We always enjoyed doing a lot of family stuff on Thursday, which was the day he did have off. And if we had put them in school, we would have been losing out all of that time together. So that's one of the big draws for us to homeschooling is that ability to have flexible schedule. And now my husband works a normal like nine to five schedule, but we still like the homeschooling and flexibility anyways.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Flexibility is definitely one of the things that I like the most, too, about being able to homeschool and the fact that it doesn't have to fit into this rigid structure or schedule and that we really do have flexibility, not just in like the big picture of flexibility, but also in like the minute by minute flexibility, you know, like if someone's just kind of having an off day or something like that, like we can totally make adjustments and and that's okay. Um, But yeah, flexibility is definitely something that's important. And when you mentioned that when you first started, that you are a natural researcher, which I totally resonate with because I am a researcher myself. Um, And I'm curious, what were some of the resources that you found to be really helpful as you've been on your homeschooling journey?
1: Uh, It's kind of funny because I know there are like some big homeschooling books out there, but actually I have not read some of like the biggest names in homeschooling books just because I always have like a million things that I want to read. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I'll get to it later. But there's like a thousand books that I've been saying I'll get to later. So it it, it takes me a while. Um, yeah. One book that I really enjoyed that I read early on was Homeschooling in Your Tiara. That one, I think, was a really, it was really easily readable. And I felt like I could relate to, I can't, I'm blanking on the author's name right now, but I felt like I could really relate to her. And also, um the state that I live in, Wisconsin, has a really strong uh, homeschool organization. And so their website had a lot of great information that I could read and connect with and, like, questions about not just what it's like to homeschool here, but also just generally about what, how different people homeschool and things like that. So I think, like, leaning into, like, sort of local resources, and then after I, like, the big state organization, but there's also, like, you know, local homeschool groups and so I think joining some of those and learning from other homeschool parents there even when I was little even when my kids were like when my oldest was like four we were part of a home a local homeschool group and so like connecting with those other moms who are farther along on their homeschool journey than I was seeing how all the different ways they homeschooled and all the different things that they did with their kids and asking them my questions I think that's Really valuable. Like, I love to read, but I also think there's a lot of value in those connections that we make um, with other people and them, even if you're not taking the exact same path as them, even if your homeschool life is going to look different than theirs, you can still learn from the things that they share and kind of uh, form your own ideas about what might work for your family, what won't work for your family, because sometimes knowing what isn't going to work is just as important as knowing what is going to work. So I would say those are the resources that I really leaned into when my kids were younger.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think just as much as you know, reading, I love to read. And so I like to be able to learn through reading, but I really appreciate you mentioning that not just the book knowledge is important, but also having those connections with people in real life that truly is what makes the difference. I think in homeschool and being able to have that community of people that we can partner with and people that we can learn from that are maybe further along in the experience than we are. And we can kind of talk with them and process our own thoughts or fears or feelings about whatever we're going through in that moment. And I think that is also just as valuable for our children too. I think Um, A lot of times when people start homeschooling, they do, they focus on making sure their kids are reading all this material and books and worksheets and if they're trying to do the school at home kind of thing. Um, But also recognizing that our children also benefit from having those connections with people in the community and building relationships and learning from others and real life experiences. That is where um, there's so much value in that practical learning aspect.
1: Yes, and I think like, a unique thing about homeschooling is that like you sort of you sort of have to seek it out, right? It's not something like if you sent your kids to school, like there are other parents sending their kids to school and and it's kind of like a community of other parents that you can connect with is already there for you pre-built in, but with homeschooling, you really have to figure out a way to seek out those communities for yourself. And sometimes you'll learn that a community isn't a good fit for you because there are so many different kinds of homeschool communities and so many different kinds of co-ops and um, like there's a whole spectrum. And so sometimes it might take a little trial and error to figure out what works for you. And maybe something will work for you for a while, but then it doesn't work anymore. And I think sometimes we can get kind of stuck because something that worked in our homeschool worked for a long time and it was really good. And then sometimes it stops working and we we hold on to that memory of what it was like when it worked and it can make it hard for us to move past and recognize that what we're doing isn't working anymore and to move on to whatever whatever is next after that so i think like not just that like flexibility and schedule but also it's kind of retraining my brain how to be more flexible with my family and not necessarily Say like oh you know this thing worked great for two years every day we did this for two years and then like dragging through like another six months of it after it stopped like that doesn't help anybody but sometimes it can be hard to to let go of what worked and let you and your kids move on to the next stage of things right because they can't say the same things that you're gonna do with a five year old are not gonna be the same things you're gonna do with a ten year old and so learning to recognize when you're in a situation or when you're doing something in your homeschooling that just isn't working anymore is a really valuable skill, not just for you as a homeschool parent, but also to show your kids to help them prepare for their adult life when they'll need
0: to be flexible about the various things that are happening around them. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, and I know you've talked about doing things in different ways. And even as a family yourself, that you have the flexibility and the freedom to experiment with different styles and change things up. It, like you said, if it's not working, you can always change. Um, and so I'm wondering um, what, you know, I like to ask people that come on, especially that are homeschoolers, what their homeschool style is or what does it, what does homeschooling look like in your home now?
1: I would say uh, right now. Um... We're semi-eclectic, I would say. Like we, we use a curriculum. I don't piece everything together myself. Um, usually I get a lot of the curriculum that we love from Timberdoodle. And um, we sort of have fallen into this routine. Um, we're using a loop schedule right now which um, if there's anyone listening who isn't familiar with a loop schedule, um, basically we have the things that we want to get done written down and then we sort of do those things like in uh, sort of a circular pattern, I guess you could call it. We start, um, when we're doing school, we like sort of start with what's at the top and then we go down and wherever we're done, when we're done, we just stop there and then we pick it up at the bottom. from wherever we last left off. And then when we get to the bottom, we start over again with the top. And so um, we've tried so many different things, but we found that like having that loop schedule really worked well for us because it gave us a lot of flexibility, but also still some structure. Like when we had no structure, that was not good for anyone, Um, but having a really rigid structure wasn't gonna work for us either. So we're in a loop schedule, we start, a little bit later in the morning and I take turns working one-on-one with each of my kids um, because they're at really different levels with what they need and so um, and we also do some stuff together so it just depends on the day a little bit like every day is a little bit different but a little bit the same and my kids sort of know like this is when we're going to do school together and I like write on our whiteboard a little bit our plans for the day so they can see and they like knowing Uh, like today you know it says mom is recording the podcast at two o'clock be quiet Um, (laughs) so like they like knowing and and planning ahead of time um, and seeing what's up for the schedule and so that's kind of it's in like this rhythm where we move through the things we need to do and we want to do but it's not like oh we have to get this this and this done every day that kind of allows us the space, like if we only have like an hour or whatever, because we have a doctor's appointment or something, it sort of allows us the space to, um, if we work on one thing and it takes that whole hour, fine, because I know the next day we'll sort of pick up where we left off.
0: That's very interesting. I actually hadn't heard of a loop schedule before, so I'm, I'm really thankful that you explained a little bit more about that. Um, I know that a lot of people sometimes can be concerned or, or worried that they won't be able to teach their children at home. I think a lot of parents really have that, that fear um, of like, oh gosh, what if I, I don't know what to teach or I don't know how to teach my children. Um, what would you say to a parent that might be experiencing some of those fears of of feeling inadequate to be able to homeschool? Uh, I would say that
1: like, it's kind of normal. I think all parents whether they homeschool or not, at some point in their kids' lives feel inadequate. Because, you know, we're only human, right? We can't anticipate every potential problem. We can't foresee the future or anything like that. Like, we are showing up every day to do the best that we can. And on some days, that best is going to be really low. It's going to be like, you're going to feel like, oh, I know that I did this better on another day. But, you know, today, maybe there's things beyond your control. Maybe you're all of a sudden having a plumbing problem or like other things like that. Right. And, and the best you could do today is, is different than the best you could do on a different day. And so I think sometimes when you're feeling inadequate, to ask yourself, you know, am I doing the best I can do today? Not the best I can ever do, because that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself because every day is different. And some days your best is going to be just making it through your day, making sure that everyone is loved and fed and like the bare, the bare minimum, because that's your best for today. But on other days, you're going to be like, oh, I can do all these things and we can go to the park and we can do a nature hike and like everything like that. And that's your best for the, for that day. So, I think just focusing on doing your best for today and not comparing it to any other days because, you know, you're human and your track record is not going to be 100% amazing, glorious homeschool days all the time, right? That's just not realistic for anyone. And um, if there's something that you're struggling with specifically that's making you feel inadequate, like I think like sort of drill down those feelings. Like, is this a general feeling or is there like some one area where I'm really struggling with? And if there's like one specific thing where you're like, oh, this one thing is is making me feel inadequate. Like maybe it's like you're trying to teach reading to your kids and your kids are really struggling with reading. And so then if it's that one thing that's making you feel inadequate, then maybe sit down, brainstorm with um, your husband Uh, brainstorm with your um, other homeschool friends and say, you know, like we are really struggling in this one area because sometimes when I'm like so thick in a struggle, I am trying to see a solution to the struggle, but I just, I just, I'm too caught up in the emotional side of the struggle Mm -hmm. and I need to bring someone else in to sort of like talk through it with me. So if there's like one area where you're really struggling, consider maybe if there's it's time to make a change in that area um, and consider seeking out other people who can help like listen and talk through the change with you. And you'll know, you'll learn who those people are. You'll learn that there's some people, if you try and talk to them about making a change, they're just gonna, they're gonna give you answers that aren't very helpful. You know, like, have you ever been, I've been in that situation sometimes where you talk to a person and you're saying, oh, this is really hard. And they're like, well, then just don't homeschool. And you're like, Great, thanks, that was a really helpful answer, right? So you'll you'll learn um, who the people are that you can ask who will really help you get into potential solutions um, for your problem area and for your struggle because if you're waking up every day and something is always and consistently a struggle, not just like normal bad days, but like everything like this is consistently, repeatedly the same area that you're getting caught up on, then that's probably a good point to say, okay, what can we change about this area? And sometimes, like I said, sometimes I can be resistant about change because I remember how well the thing used to work. But if it's not working well now, it doesn't do you any good that it used to work well. So you have to be able to um, make the change when you recognize that
0: whatever is happening is
1: not sustainable.
0: Mm. That's very, very wise advice. I'm wondering what are some of the the problems or the challenges that you have had to face as a homeschooling mom and how did you overcome them?
1: Um, Well, I feel like overcome is a big word, right? Because you never know if something is going to come back. Something that I think is a struggle um, for my kids a little bit is they can get kind of competitive with each other, and so sometimes I have to, like, uh, you know, separate them a little bit, because if they're, sometimes if they're working on the same or similar thing, they want to compare themselves uh, to each other, and that's not helpful for them um, to do that. It just tends to lead to a lot of fighting and a lot of, like, anguish between the two of them, and so for um, sometimes you want to be able to do things all together, but sometimes it's better for them to give them a little separate space. And I think that's like totally fair and valid because a lot of times as homeschooling, you you are together all the time. And especially if you have one kid who's a little more extroverted and one kid who's a little more introverted, like learning to give them that space so they can sort of be their own people and not feel like they need to like compare or be competitive with each other. And like, even if you don't teach them to be competitive, sometimes they can definitely get competitive um, so with each other, <laughs> even, even if you try your best. So sometimes learning, um, learning how everyone can have their own space in the same place, um, just like working, thinking of different strategies. Like we don't live in a super big house. Um, so it, I've had to think creatively sometimes to come up with different strategies for, so like everyone can have their sort of like own space where they can be alone. And like, you know, sometimes one kid wants to read and the other kid wants to like, just be all up in his face. And so you got to figure out sometimes how to give them their own space. And if you don't have a super huge space to begin with, then you just have to get, get creative.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I think creativity plays a huge part in our homeschool. And it's actually one of the reasons why I love homeschooling too, because, uh, I think that creativity is something that tends to be lost, especially when kids are in like a forced schooling environment, like going to school, um, because they really don't have a lot of opportunities to kind of think outside the box or to express themselves creatively. And, um, I, I really feel like homeschooling is one way that we can, that we can do that um yes it's uh it's awesome to
1: see like your kids creativity bloom and like the way um like something you teach them and then down the line later on it strikes like something in them uh and you don't even realize like this that you're teaching them now is going to be something that they use later i mean you know that logically but you don't always get to see it so um directly and for Christmas my kids made me this little book they call it the book of mom and they wrote different poems and stories and pictures in the inside and um my oldest I know I know I was totally like had tears just like Uh streaming down my face when I was reading it it was so beautiful um there's there's a point to the story there's a connection um but one of the things that they put in the book is my oldest wrote this little story and it was like a legend and it was like a man had seven sons and he told uh his sons to go find the most beautiful house that they could in the world and the first son came back with a mansion and it was so beautiful and the second son came back with a mansion even more beautiful than the next and eventually the seventh son comes with um a picture of our house and he said this is the most beautiful house in the world because the mom who lives there is special to her kids um I know I know it's like the sweetest story I've ever heard I know Hey I like I'm crying not thinking about it again but what I saw in that when I read the story is not just this the sweetness of it but then I also thought back to like all the legends and folk tales that we read and how uh he like absorbed that knowledge and like the mm-hmm. storytelling patterns of the way that you tell that story and everything like that and i didn't uh know necessarily that he was like absorbing all that knowledge about like the mm-hmm. seven like the storytelling patterns and the different things like you know, the specific, even more beautiful than the next. I know that came from a story that we read where, like, you know, all the sons, it's always like the next, the next one that comes is always like more superlative than the other one. And so I could see that connection between all of those folk tales and legends and myths and everything that we had read. And then he was putting it into action on his own in the story that he wrote for me. And that's one of the, like, most rewarding parts of homeschool is sometimes the the small things that you don't even recognize, but then later on down the line, you see how they took all that and put it together in their brain and and made something completely their their own of it.
0: That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I think it is it is so fascinating to me. Um, so I, I actually was a public school teacher and, um, and we are unschoolers at home. So I was going to school and teaching kids you know, with the formal way, but then coming home and practicing or experimenting with unschooling. And that was one of the biggest things that amazed me as we were exploring unschooling was exactly what you said, that when I could kind of take a step back and look at the learning that my child was doing I wasn't even teaching her. It was blowing my mind. I mean, like you mentioned how he just intuitively picked up on the story structure and, and how the plot builds and characters and themes and all these different aspects that he incorporated into his writing without necessarily having to fill out a worksheet on them or having to do these other things. But that natural learning that he just absorbed because it was something that he was exposed to and something that he, it sounds like he enjoyed, um, enough to be able to want to even create his own. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful example of showing how that, that natural learning happens with children all the time.
1: Yes. And sometimes I'll teach my kids something and then like, I think, oh, they'll have totally like forgotten about that, you know, we like just mentioned it on this one day when this one thing happened. And then like six months <laughs> down the line, they'll be like, oh, that's like such and such a thing. And I'm like, how do you even remember that? So I mean, <laughs> their brains are just working and making these connections all the time. And yeah. I think like as homeschoolers, we're sort of like, we have a unique opportunity to be able to help them build that connections and to to like see it through. Uh, for the long-term to like, you know, this, the, what happened, you know, last year or whatever, you know, we're still seeing it next year. We still sometimes see how, how, how the bigger picture emerges, I guess I would say, instead of looking at any one individual day. And I would say like, you know, you asked the question about feeling inadequate earlier. And I think like thinking about that too, like, oh, there are some one individual days where I can look back and say, that was a really horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day, like Alexander. And but that's not oh, the catwalk. sum. Of, <laughs> that's not the sum of the whole of our homeschooling experience. I know it it is so much more than the bad days. It is, it's there's such a bigger picture and there's so much bigger work going on than that. And sometimes, sometimes it can take a long time before you see like that work working. And, and when you're in the moment when it feels like it's, it's taking forever to like, see, see if anything has changed, see if anything has happened, see if they're even like understanding it, then sometimes all of a sudden they're like, surprise you out of nowhere with the connections that they make and the, the way that they choose to think about the world. And they just you get to really watch them blossom and come into their own personalities. And of course, you know, like I have two kids and I'm not going to say I did everything the same with both of them because that's impossible, right? They're different people, but to watch them come into their own personalities and their own uh, distinct, unique human beings, it's really something cool that I can see you say, you know, uh, last year, my seven-year-old wasn't doing this, but this year he is. And I got to watch that progress from that time when I didn't think maybe that he was ever going to get it to, to where he is now and seeing that progress, like in front of you, uh, it it's, it's a very special gift that I don't take for granted.
0: Mm, that's a, that's a great way to, to put it. Um, I think being able to be a part of watching those like light bulb moments, for our kids and and truly partnering with them as they're growing up is such a beautiful, beautiful gift. And um, I wish that that more parents would be able to have the opportunity to experience that. Um, and being able to be a part of sharing life with their children. Um, because I, I see so many of you know my students that they would be in school all day and then they would get home and a lot of times their parents are still working. And then when their parents come home, it's like dinner and then we fight about homework and then they go to bed. Um, And it really doesn't provide a lot, a lot of opportunities for having quantity or quality um, time with one another.
1: Yeah. I think the blessing of time, the gift of time is like Mm -hmm. something that's so precious. And I think it's, it's just like I, I know my kids would be okay if they were in school. They would have a different life, a different experience, but they would be okay. But I am so grateful for all the things that we have experienced in homeschooling all the time and everything like that, because this is sort of just, it's kind of changed the culture of the way that I even think about family Mm. and what it means to be family and and spend uh, time together. And it's, it's, it's changed. Um, Homeschooling has changed my brain and the way I approach things. And it isn't, it isn't always easy, but any life that we were to live anyway would have its hard parts, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily like oh, you're going to homeschool and everything will be a magical rainbow unicorns all the time, right? You're going to, you're going to have your hard days still. Um, It's just kind of like you get to choose your hard. I mean, you don't choose all your hard. Some hard just gets put on you. That's, that's beyond your control, but um, we do have choice sometimes um, about what what the hard things are it's like if you tried to climb mount everest that is a hard thing to do and you have to train for a long time to climb mount everest um but that doesn't mean that it's not worth it like if it's if it's something that you've chosen and you feel committed that it's what's best for your family then you can get through the hard parts
0: together absolutely that is so true (laughs) um and you mentioned about getting through the hard parts together, and I know you're speaking about, you know, your family, of course, but I'm wondering about how you can create community, or, or do you have, like, a homeschooling community that you partner with? Um, we have been a part of the same
1: homeschool group since my uh, youngest was four, and it, it looks different over over time, like, new people come in, and sometimes you're close with someone for a while uh and then they move away or things change or things like that um i've sort of had to learn a lot about uh what it looks like when you have a community and then the community changes and shifts and then you sort of have to feel like you're starting over again and meeting new people again and everything like that but then also sometimes you meet new people who come into the group who haven't been apart before and you find that they're really uh really people that you connect with. So uh, that's kind of one thing about the homeschool communities I found is that sometimes they can uh, be, they can change a lot. Like there are people who have been in our community, I know, a long time, but then there are also people who like were there for like a couple of years and then like, one day they're just gone and you don't always know where they went like, Mm -hmm. or if they moved away or if their kids, uh, put their kids back in school and everything like that. Um, so I think, uh, learning a lot to be open to, uh, meeting new people and, um, you know, like just experiencing it differently. Like I would say Every every homeschooler that I've ever met has taught me a little something different, either about myself or about homeschooling or about um, life in general. And I'm really uh, grateful, you know, there are sometimes people I met when we were first homeschooling that I've you know, lost touch with or whatever. And I think about them sometimes and they were in my life then for a reason and, they've moved or just been in different stages of their life and so um, you just sort of uh, learn sometimes you have to learn uh, how to uh, what's the word I want (laughs) how to just to to get to know new people too and bring new people into the community because especially like uh, new first-time homeschoolers who haven't homeschooled before. They have a lot of questions and then you have to remember what it was like for you when you were new and all the questions you had and try and think about how you can welcome them uh, into the community as well. Uh, even if there are people that you've like known for a long time, you always have to leave room in that community for there to be to be changed and for there to be new people who are going to be coming in because there's always going to be new people coming into the homeschool community because like well there are people who uh, I know now whose kids are like they weren't even born when I started homeschooling so it's you you have to be open to that um to that understanding that uh new people new homeschoolers are always going to exist and they're going to need to find their their people, too, and their community, too.
0: And I, I thank you for bringing that up, because I, I know that helping homeschoolers is something that you are really, really passionate about, and one of the ways that you do that um, is through Pocket Homeschool. Can you share with us a little bit more about Pocket Homeschool and what that's about?
1: Yes, um, Pocket Homeschool is my, uh, my little site that could. Um, for a long time, people was like, "Oh, you know, you have a lot of great information about homeschool. You should share this with people." And I always be like, "I don't know. I don't know. I think I said I don't know a lot." But they were like, <laughs> "No, really. No, really. Like you, <laughs> you could really make a, a difference in the lives of people." And so finally, I said, "Okay, why not? Let's just let's just try it." And um, so I built a website, and I really. I really, it turns out, I really love it. I really love uh, helping other homeschoolers. I love connecting other homeschoolers uh, for resources. Um, I write curriculum. Uh, I do take requests. Like if somebody is looking for something specific, I'm happy to like write that um, for them. Uh, I help people who uh, need to talk to someone and get started. Um, One of my favorite things that I do is every every Friday, I have my little newsletter that I send out and I call it Five for Friday. And it's just like five quick ideas you can use in your homeschool, like book recommendations or YouTube videos, or like, it's this holiday, here's something, you know, like related to this holiday. And I always try and keep it under 500 words so it's fast. That's so cute. Um, and I love that
0: idea. Five for Friday.
1: Yes. It's my favorite. I like, I get so excited when I start writing it and then I think, and then I'm like, Oh, I have to only put five ideas in here. And sometimes I have more than five ideas. So I'm like, okay, well you can wait until next week. And, um, it's, it's just, uh, it's just like, um, a fun little, like no stress way, uh, that I can share ideas with people. And, Um, I love, I love creating like unit studies, especially like, I love like seeing how it can pull in all these different things and make them relate to, uh, what, to one, to one topic, because I love, like, I think I love to write unit studies the most because of the way that I can sort of let my brain work on the different connections and the different, like, um. I wrote a unit study last year about Mozart. This is on my mind because it's almost Mozart's birthday uh, like next week or the week after. Um, And uh, so last year I wrote a unit study about Mozart and uh, I always, when I'm writing it, I'm like, okay, I know these things, but what else can I learn? What else can I share? What else can I bring to this? And that's when I learned like, Ben Franklin and Mozart were alive at the same time. And Ben Franklin designed this instrument, the glass harmonica, um, which is like these glass bowls that spin and you spin the glass bowls and it makes music. And it's not an instrument we use anymore. It really fell out of favor because it was very hard physically on your body, spinning those instruments with your uh, fingers. And, um, but because they were contemporaries, like Mozart wrote music for this instrument. And so like, that's a thing that I didn't know before I started writing, but I discovered it Mm -hmm. while I was writing. That's, and then I could put that in the unit study and, and make these connections across, across the ocean, across different disciplines like Mm. different people like you probably don't ever think of Ben Franklin and Mozart as being like connected in any way right um (laughs) (laughs) that's like one of my favorite uh parts of homeschooling is learning alongside my kids and getting to explore the world more I really have a passion for like lifelong learning and I think that like as homeschool moms and just like human beings in general, we should always keep learning. And so that's another thing um, that I try and work on with Pocket Homeschool is encouraging like families to learn together. Like don't just think of it as teaching your children, but also think of it as being on this journey of learning together with them and growing together with them. Because we are on this earth for however long we're on this earth. And and that whole time, it's not like once you reach 18 or 24, when you graduate from college, it's not like, boom, you have all the knowledge of everything. It, it doesn't work that way. And there's, there is so many interesting and fascinating things that even if you've spent your whole life doing nothing else, you know, you had someone else to make all your meals for you and I don't know, someone else to sleep for you and whatever. So you didn't have anything else to do. Even if you could devote every living hour of your life to learning, you still wouldn't learn at all by the time your life was done. And so I think like encouraging families to learn together and explore together and for um, moms and parents to keep on learning and pursue like Things that they're interested in learning about for themselves independent of their kids because I think that enriches uh, your children's education when you are involved in being a lifelong learner and I think it sets an example for your kids that learning is a valuable and a part of being human and, and so that's sort of another thing that I work on with Pocket Homeschool as encouraging families to learn and grow together so
0: that's beautiful. I love that, that, that aspect of lifelong learning. And, and you're so right. It's definitely something that we want to model for our children, that we have a love of learning and that learning is just a part of being a human. But you definitely brought up some an interesting point that even if you were to focus on learning something every single second of your life, from now until the moment that you die, you still wouldn't, learn it all. Like we still wouldn't know it all. So how do you decide what is most important to learn about? Oh, that's such a hard question
1: because I always feel like I have like 15 different things I want to learn about all at the same time. And I I don't think there's like a right or a wrong way to decide what you want to learn about. I sort of like go on, I say like streaks where I'm like, just like for a month or two, like learning everything I can about that one subject. And then I'll like hit a wall where I'm like, oh, I just can't think about this thing anymore. And then I'll like move on to learning about something else. I think uh, there's like two kinds of learning. And like we learn the things we need to know, right? Like our sink was leaking once, and then my husband learned how to replace a sink, right? That was a thing he needed to learn because we couldn't keep having a leaky sink that was leaking everywhere all the time. Um, but there are other things in life that we learn just to learn and just to have an enriched understanding of of humanity and history and uh all the all the things around us and I think like there's not there's not uh formula for what those things are you'll know what those things are that you want to learn about you'll sometimes they come to you in the most random of ways like you'll just like be I don't know listening to a podcast and you'll hear somebody mention something like maybe you know because I mentioned the glass harmonica earlier maybe somebody will hear that and be like oh I'm really fascinated in this glass harmonica and then they'll spend like a month learning about the glass harmonica and all the history of it and watching YouTube videos of people playing like one of the only two or it's a very small number of them that are left and so it's it's sometimes just like you you have that spark and if you can listen to that spark in inside your head inside your brain that says like, oh, this is something that I want to learn more about. I think everyone starts with that spark. And sometimes we just uh, ignore it because we've been gotten these messages about how, you know, like learning, you learn when you're a kid and then this is done like that. But I think if you, everybody, you know, has something that interests them and maybe that thing that interests you is not the thing that interests me. Maybe I am never going to study uh, plant botany in depth. But for someone who loves nature and plants and everything like that, that's, that's going to be the thing you're, you're going to want to lean into and learn more about. So I think, you know, we all have sparks, like things in our lives, like books we read or like TV shows we're watching and they'll mention something and you'll go, huh, that's interesting. I want to learn more about that. And so if you just listen to when you have that, oh, I want to learn more about it spark you will never run out of things to learn about.
0: <laughs> I, that is so true. I, I love that. And I'm wondering, how do you in, continue to inspire that spark and that love of learning in your children? I would say it's a lot of books. We we read a lot of books. We use our
1: library frequently. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And just like not being afraid to introduce them to different things because you never never know what's gonna be that thing for them. Like, I think if you think about when you were a kid and the things that you really, excuse me, the things that you really loved and enjoyed when you were a kid, right? They were unique to you. And if you um, pay attention to your kids, you'll see what are the things that make them have that sort of like I want to learn more about this spark, and I know you're an unschooler, so you probably witness that all the time in your kids. You can see that that like wheels turning in their head, and you can see you can see when they're really interested in something. Right, that's the thing about kids is they like you know adults can fake being interested in something, but kids haven't really like that's a that's like a learned skill, right? Kids tell you what they think, and so um, you they, they're really honest with you and you can tell when they're excited and interested in something. And then when you notice that you can help them find more, you can, you know, reach out to your resources. You can, uh, you know, get books from the library. You can say like, oh, if they're interested in something and you know, like a local museum or whatever, like has an exhibit on that, you can take them there. You can look for podcasts. Like there are so many ways to go deeper, once you have noticed. And so I think for like your kids, like just you observing and noticing them, and then helping connect them with the resources that they might not be able to connect themselves to, like they can't take themselves to the museum. Well, I mean, if they're teenager, they can take themselves to the museum, but like your younger kids, they can't if they can't do those things on their own so you can help connect them with the resources to go deeper
0: in the things that they're passionate and
1: excited about learning.
0: absolutely that's that's definitely one of the most important aspects especially when you're an unschooler um, because a lot of times I think people have this impression that as unschoolers we're just kind of like hey day, we're just not gonna do anything and you know do whatever um, but but no it really, being an unschooler requires us to be intentional about providing opportunities for our children to pursue their passions, just like you mentioned, and and it, it does. It takes a lot of work to to look up and find you know resources and books and videos and movies and people and museums and all these different things in the world that are available and, and to be able to research those things, especially when our kids are young, you know, like you mentioned at high school, they can do a lot of that research for themselves. But when they're younger, I, you know, I spend a lot of time really looking for and trying to find those opportunities for my children to pursue their passions and to be exposed to a lot of different things so they can figure out what they're passionate about.
1: Yes, it's like, they they won't know if they aren't exposed to it. So sometimes, like, even if they end up, like, hating something, like, that's something you learned, you're like, okay, like, there is some amount of this that you might need to know for life. But like, that's it, you can know the bare minimum, you don't have to go 10 levels deep on your knowledge of that. Like, I know the basics of how plant works. But I I probably don't need to go like 10 levels deep on all about plants. Um, and I could, if I was interested, but it's, it's with that, with our children too, like that, that's one of the things about homeschooling. I think when you are really committed to doing it for the long-term is just being an intentional observer of your child, of what they need, of what they're passionate about and um, of helping to connect them to the world. Like they... They don't know things about the world when they're born, you know. That's it's kind of our job to sort of guide them and help them to ever expand and grow uh, in their knowledge at their level. Um, like, the what I would give my seven year old if he was interested in something is different than the resources that I would give my nine year old um, because it's important to help them at their level and help them with what they needs where, where they are. And so just, there's so much that can be learned in homeschooling if you are just willing to uh, observe your children with intentionality and, and to think about the way that you want to teach them and the way that you uh, want to help them learn. And you get there it it might not seem like it when you're just starting out you know it might it might not seem like it because you it might feel overwhelming but if you think about it you know you have been intentionally observing them since they were little right you know when they were ready to walk you 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 helped them through that you know you got them things that they could stand on and push and everything like that so that they would learn how to walk and, and so you have the skills already to intentionally observe your children, and it's just bringing those skills into their later years and helping connect them at every level that they're at as they grow and increase, they'll be able to be connected to harder, deeper, richer material. And it might seem overwhelming, but you don't have to do the whole, the whole, all homeschooling years all at once. You are just doing what you are doing right now. And you... You like someday, you know, if you're still homeschooling your kids in high school, like it will look different in high school than it did when they were younger. They're going to be able to, to do more. They're going to be able to have more resources. And, uh, but that's not, it's not to say don't plan, but also you don't have to have everything figured out for what's coming next. You can help Mm -hmm. be with them where they are at this level right now. And that's that, hard if you're type A like me and like to plan, but it yes. is possible.
0: Yes, that, that thought literally, that thought right there was one of the things that just took a huge weight off of my shoulders. Um, when I first started homeschooling, I had a lot of fears and anxiety because, um, you know, I, I dove right into unschooling and wanted to give it a shot and I wasn't sure if it would go terrible, um, or if we would love it, I had no idea what what life as an unschooler would look like. And, and I can remember feeling, you know, just like you were saying, like wanting to plan out the end goal and not really sure what the end was going to look like. Um, But I think I was able to really rest in the fact that whatever we were doing for today, I was just going to do what was working for today um and just focusing on on the short term like okay we're going to try this for one year I can try anything for one year and if it goes great awesome and if it's terrible or something's not working we can always change like you mentioned going back to that flexibility and so I think that's really wise advice to to just kind of focus on the now and providing opportunities for our children right now um you know as we're talking about passions and interests and stuff I'm wondering what are your children passionate and interested in
1: uh my 7 year old is very interested in animals he loves animals he adores animals when we're going over to other people's houses he gets more excited to see the animals than the than <laughs> than the people um i'm really i'm really allergic to cats and dogs so we don't have any animals of our own but he is like all about the animals and he's like my sister-in-law was uh going on a trip and he's like concerned he's like who will take care of her cat while she's gone like he's oh, asking God. me and I had to like text my sister-in-law and say like he really wants to make sure that your cat is taken care of while you're gone so can you tell him your plans so that he knows that your cat is taking <laughs> care of he he loves animals And my older son, my nine-year-old is really into like, he likes the myths and legends, like I was talking about before, but he's also really into science and learning different things about the way things work and um, like the weather and minerals. Like he loves the periodic table and he loves um, thinking about like all the different minerals and how they make compounds. Like we were doing a science experiment yesterday with um, acids and bases like where you make the uh, liquid out of cabbage and you um, add it to different different other liquids and it'll turn different colors uh, de- depending on whether the liquid you're adding it to is an acid or a base. And like he of his own volition after that, like drew pictures of all the cups that we had added it to and went and got one of his uh, molecules book and like looked up the molecules like, um, so he could add, add that, draw that, write The proper like chemical notation. And this is like above and beyond like.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of like, that is not know. nine-year-old work. Like I have I have high schoolers in chemistry class that would not be able to do that.
1: <laughs> he's really into science. He He's he just like, he has been into science. I don't know, like it feels like forever. Like I'm trying to think of if there was a time when he wasn't into science like when he was really little so he he's been into it for a long time and so I just sort of let him run with with being into it like I talked about before I just like connected him with resources and he often like got just he's he he's super interested in it so it it's not work to him right it's it's just like uh like I'm I'm a writer. I've always known I was a writer since I was a kid. And when I'm writing something, it's it's not work to me because it's what I'm interested in. And for him, science is that way too. It's not work to him. He he enjoys uh figuring out what the chemical compositions of art and stuff like that. And and to me, I'm like, oh, I enjoy science, but I don't enjoy science that much. But he does. So uh why not let him run with it? it
0: so And, you know, like you were saying before, we all have our own unique talents and interests and passions and that's okay. You know, like not everyone has to dive deep into science or math or history or any, any subject for that matter. Um, And I I think as we can continue to figure out what are those things that don't feel like work to us, you know, that just like fun and play, um, then, you know, that's, That's the basis for having a happy and enjoyable life.
1: Yes. And I think like connecting, connecting your kids, like I am not some science guru or anything, but I knew how to help get him connected with different books and materials and things like that. And I've learned a lot through his passion with science, because that's the other thing about kids when they're passionate about something, they're going to tell you about it. They're going to explain it to you. And uh, yeah, and and that's a really cool thing too. Like, you know, I'd be like, oh, mom, did you know such and such a thing? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. And so like, it's kind of like humbles you and helps you remember that we all sort of have different knowledge because we have different experiences and different things. And we all have something that we can learn from each
0: other. That's beautiful. I love that. That, that humble approach of knowing that, you know, I'm not just the only one that's teaching my, my child, but there's so much that we can learn from them too, in this process of homeschooling. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I, I wanted to thank you so very much for joining me today on the podcast. It has been such a pleasure to be able to connect with you and hear a little bit about your story and your journey. And I'm excited to keep in touch, maybe do a follow-up podcast. In the future, so we can hear about how things are continuing to evolve and change for you as you are being flexible in your homeschooling and flexible in your lifestyle together. Um, Before we go, is there what is one piece of advice that you would like to share with someone that is listening that is considering homeschooling or maybe is just beginning their homeschooling journey? What would you want to say?
1: I think I would say don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. I think sometimes we feel like, you know, especially when you're thinking about beginning homeschooling, it it feels so intimidating, you feel like you have to have an entire plan ready to go. And I would say, don't, don't feel like you have to have the end figured out when you're just starting, you'll be able to learn along the way, as you go. And so it's okay, if you don't know how to end things, all you have to know is how to
0: get started so profound. I'm like going to write that on my wall. (laughs) I love that. Um, and if someone is listening and they're, they're hearing everything that you're sharing, Melissa, and they would like to get connected with you, what are some ways that people that are listening can get or stay connected to you?
1: Um, my website is, uh, www.pockethomeschool.com. And like I mentioned my newsletter earlier, that's uh, there's a sign up on my homepage and that's probably the number one best way to stay in touch with me. Cause I send that out every week without fail, unless it's like on Christmas, I didn't send one out because it's Christmas. Right. But otherwise that's, that's the very best way to stay connected with me. But I'm also on Facebook at pocket homeschool and Instagram, um, also at pocket homeschool. And so if you see pocket homeschool around, it's me. Um, so you can just look for me uh, in those places. And uh, I would love to uh, get to know uh, your listeners the better and to, to meet them because I love uh, bringing new people into my community and just having, having fun with them and being on this homeschool journey together. And I'm so appreciative of the opportunity to be on the podcast today. I've had such a wonderful time uh, talking with you. So thank you so much for inviting me.
0: It has truly been my honor and my pleasure. And thank you so very much for all of the work that you do to support homeschoolers all over the world. Um, It is a very, very important work, like you mentioned, for those of us who have been doing this work to share with those who are just started or even just thinking about getting started, as you said. Um, So thank you so much for that. And to those of you that are listening, I want to thank you for joining us for this conversation. I hope that it was as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, If you would like to get connected with Melissa, please check the show notes. I'm going to include all of those links that she mentioned for your convenience there. And be sure to check back next week for our next episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Bye. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.